Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 8. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the Global Positioning System, also known as GPS. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we get into the different types of GPS, it's important to understand the history of GPS. GPS was originally intended for military use, but in the late 1980s it was adapted for civilian use as well. A GPS receiver must receive signal from three satellites that orbit Earth. When the GPS receiver only receives signals from three satellites, it is only capable of displaying a 2D position meaning the aircraft's longitude and latitude. When there are four or more satellites, the receiver can also determine the user's three-dimensional position, meaning they have longitude, latitude, and altitude. If the receiver receives more than four signals from four separate satellites, it then tests them against each other to make sure the signal has not lost any of its integrity. The nice thing about GPS is that it's unaffected by weather. As private pilots, we often just use GPS navigation to get us from one airport to the next. In IFR flight, however, it can be used as a means of navigation for en route, terminal operations, and certain instrument approach procedures. But if you're going to use your GPS as a means of navigation, make sure that your GPS is up to date and current with the navigation requirements, as well as approved air carrier operation specifications. GPSs also rely on their internal clocks, which are monitored by the United States Department of Defense. Beginning with just 24 satellites, the constellation has grown to 31 total satellites. This allows the user to make sure they have contact with five or more satellites at all time. GPS status information is available by means of the United States Coast Guard, either on their website or by calling 703-313-5907. Satellites often undergo routine maintenance, which means their signal might not be available for a short period of time. While it is a good idea to see if any satellites are closed, your airplane also will do it for you with something called RAIM. RAIM is short for Receiver Autonomous Integrity Monitoring. RAIM is the capability of a GPS receiver to perform integrity monitoring on itself by ensuring available satellite signals meet the integrity requirements for a given phase of flight. RAIM can be accomplished with a minimum of five satellites or four satellites and barometric altimeter input to detect an integrity anomaly. In addition to RAIM, some GPSs have something known as fault detection and exclusion. With this system, if the GPS receiver receives six satellites or five satellites with Barrow aiding, and realizes one is off, it will automatically exclude it from the inputs given to the pilot. Now at this point in the podcast, you may be asking yourself, what really is GPS? GPS is split up into three different segments. The first is the space segment, or what we've talked about most, the satellites. Then there is the user segment, which is the aircraft itself. That includes antennas and the receivers or processors. The part which pilots often forget about is the control segment or the ground-based monitoring system. 
there are 16 ground-based monitoring systems in the entire world. These ground-based stations communicate with the satellites to once again reassure their integrity. Each satellite emits a signal. This signal travels to the airplane, where it is then received and then transmitted back to the satellite. The receiver then calculates the distance from the satellite using the time the signal traveled from the satellite to the receiver itself. Like I mentioned before, GPS flying in VFR flight is only a tool to help a pilot navigate to his or her final destination. If the pilot lost GPS capabilities, the pilot would still be able to navigate using visual references outside. Using a GPS in IFR conditions comes with a whole new set of rules and regulations. The Federal Aviation Administration has very strict guidelines, including the currency of databases, antenna placement on the airplane, and that handheld GPS receivers are not a means for GPS navigation in IFR conditions. GPS cannot be the sole means of navigation on board an IFR aircraft. The aircraft must also be equipped with an operational alternate means of navigation. This might mean VR navigation, for example. GPS flying in IFR conditions requires the airplane to have RAIM, and the pilot must be familiar with the GPS system on board. Finally, if your final destination does not have an instrument approach or only has a GPS approach, you must file an alternate. Also when flying with the GPS as your source of navigation, it's important to note that the CDI sensitivity changes. En route, or about 30 miles away from your arrival airport, a full deflection of a non-WAS GPS is 5 nautical miles, and a full deflection of a WAS GPS is 2 nautical miles. When in the terminal area, or from about 30 nautical miles to 2 nautical miles away from your arrival airport, a full deflection on both a non-WAS and a WAS GPS is 1 nautical mile. Finally, on the approach leg, or about 2 nautical miles to your final approach fix, a full deflection on both a non-WAS and WAS GPS is 0.3 nautical miles. Notice that as you get closer to the airport and on the approach, a full deflection is less distance. Aircraft using an unaugmented GPS for navigation under IFR must be equipped with an alternate approved and operational means of navigation suitable for navigating the proposed route of flight. Like I mentioned before, this may include VOR or DME capability. Active monitoring of alternate navigation equipment is not required when RAIM is available for integrity monitoring. Active monitoring of alternate means of navigation is required when the GPS RAIM capability is lost. A good pilot will establish procedures in the event that RAIM capability is lost. In situations where RAIM is predicted to be unavailable, the flight must rely on other approved navigation equipment and reroute to where RAIM is available, delay departure, or cancel the flight altogether. GPS en route navigation is fairly simple. However, GPS approach procedures tend to be a little bit more difficult. Old approach procedures used to require additional nav aids, such as a VOR or NDB, to fly the approach. The GPS has now made these nav aids relevant. Many airports have began to create their own standalone GPS procedures, but some airports choose to overlay a GPS procedure with the original. On the approach chart, the GPS overlay procedures will have a revised title 
which says VOR or GPS runway 24 for example. Therefore, all the approaches can be flown using the GPS as long as it's mentioned in the title. During these GPS approaches, underlying ground-based navids are not required to be operational and associated aircraft avionics need not be installed, operational, or even turned on and monitored. Existing overlay approaches may be requested using the GPS title such as the GPS Runway 24 for the VOR or GPS Runway 24. It is important to note that any required alternate airport must have an approved instrument approach procedure other than a GPS that is anticipated to be operational and available at the time of arrival and which the aircraft is been equipped to fly. Along the approach path, you'll often see a variety of different waypoints. GPS approaches make use of both flyover and flyby waypoints. Flyby waypoints are used when an aircraft should begin a turn to the course prior to reaching the waypoint. Flyover waypoints, on the other hand, are used when the aircraft must fly over the point before starting the turn. New approach plates depict flyover waypoints as normal waypoint symbols with circles around them. GPS truly is the navigation of the future, but there still remain errors that need to be worked out. Most of these errors, however, are simply little errors in the system which are hard to get rid of completely. The first one is atomic clock inaccuracies. Because GPS relies on the amount of time it takes for a signal to transmit, the accuracy of an atomic clock is incredibly crucial. Oftentimes, there are small discrepancies due to Einstein's theory of relativity. The receiver is most usually what will fail if GPS goes out. So make sure that your databases are up to date, your GPS has been properly maintained, and that you are receiving RAIM. GPS signals can be reflected off hard objects. This may cause an interference, especially while on the ground. Finally, the signal travels different speeds through different layers of the atmosphere. In the ionosphere and troposphere, there are certain delays which can cause inaccuracy of signals through all satellites. Thankfully, RAIN will pick up on these, and if your aircraft is equipped with FDE, then the faulty signal will be excluded from the satellite constellation which your receiver is using. To conclude, GPS navigation is a good tool for both VFR and IFR pilots. Although GPS has provided many benefits for the VFR pilot, care must be exercised to ensure that system capabilities are not exceeded for the VFR pilot. Most GPS receivers are not intuitive to the user. The pilot must learn the various keystrokes, knob functions, and displays that are used in the operation of the receiver. Some manufacturers provide a computer-based tutorials or simulations for the receivers so that the pilot can become familiar with operating the equipment without the cost of actually renting or operating an airplane. GPS makes flying a much easier experience. To check out more information about GPS navigation, Check the link in the show notes with a link to all the resources I used in recording today's episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you check out last week's episode about aeronautical decision making. Also, make sure to like and subscribe in whatever listening platform you're using. 
by subscribing, you get new episodes downloaded directly to your device. If you haven't done so already, make sure to check out my Patreon. A link to it can be found in today's show notes. To access the show notes, simply click on the cover art in whatever podcast streaming platform you're using. Producing this podcast takes a lot of time each week. Between writing, recording, and editing, it takes a substantial part of my week to produce this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you went over and checked out my Patreon and considered donating. And as I mentioned before, a link to all the resources used in today's show can be found in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, and let's make the skies a safer place. Thank you.